it's been a while since we've been here. Wow, it's been a long time. And um, I do want to thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to come and be a part of, uh, of your service this morning. And I know it was, um, we started a long time ago trying to get up here, and then COVID hit, and then a couple years later, uh, we're here. So, But anyways, um, it is uh, good to be here. Uh, I want to thank uh, Terry for uh, just the friendship and helping us uh, through everything, and also uh, Roland and I think it's Michael that allowed us to stay in their home. Uh, wow, just a beautiful place. Uh, we When we first went in, it was like, well, where do we go? <laughs> what do we do here? But it, it, it was really nice. It was really nice. And, and I do encourage you, uh, come out tonight and see our presentation. Uh, we'll give you um, an update of what we've been doing in Alaska uh, since the last time we have been here. Uh, it's hard to believe that we have actually been in Alaska for 15 years. It seems like time is just clicking away uh, for us. And, uh, and I know it's been at least at least 10 years uh, since we've been back to here. And so it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. And I, I see some familiar faces. And last time um, I was here, I looked much younger. Now, I'm, I don't look that way any, uh, any longer, but my wife does. She still looks younger, okay? <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you would, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 28. And I want us to look at some passages this morning. And I, I do know that, um, you see, we, we are definitely living in some troublesome times. Um, it seems like that uh, when it comes to Christianity, the world is becoming more and more hostile towards our message uh, and, and, and the hope that we give to the world. Uh, and it's understandable. Um, the, the king of this world, uh, he is very active. He knows his time is short. And so he's making it as hard as possible for the gospel to spread. But be encouraged, the gospel is spreading. Uh, it's, it's not stopping God's plan. God knows exactly what's going on. And, and, and guess what? There are still people around the world that are getting saved. Uh, it may seem dark to us, uh, but you, you know, the, it's always darkest just before the dawn. And guess what? Our Savior's coming, and he's coming quickly. As John said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And that should be the song in our heart as well. Um, I know the, the passage that uh, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, I'm turning there right now. In 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm just going to read it right fast. In verse 15 it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh, you a reason of the hope that is uh, in you with meekness and fear. And understanding that, uh, that, that we have to realize, and if you understand the book of Peter, it, it's a book of suffering, but it's also the book of grace. God's grace to us during the time of our suffering. And, and we have to understand that for us to be able to really uh, suffer graciously, we have to make the Lord number one in our life. And so what I want to talk about this morning is the last um, command that the Lord gave to us, and that is to go and reach the lost. And also realizing that when we do go and try to reach the lost, we will suffer. But we are going to suffer 
whether we are reaching the lost or we are just living in a hole somewhere is not reaching out to the, uh, to, to the world. For the Christian, we do live in a hostile world. But what I want us to look at this morning is three calls to evangelize, uh, three calls that we see within the Scriptures. And in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, a uh, very familiar passage, um, the, the Great Commission, how that Christ is commissioning uh, the, the disciples and we also understand how this passage transcends time, so it does apply to us as well. And he's commanding them to go out. And notice in verse 18 it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And we see in that verse that Christ is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He, uh, everything is within his control, and there's nothing out of his control. And then in verse 19, he gives the command, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So in verse 19, we see the, the command for us to go and to, uh, and to teach all nations. And that word uh, teach, it comes from a Greek word. It means the giving of new knowledge, knowledge that has not been obtained before. And so what Christ is, and that is exactly what we do. We take a message to the world that they need to hear, and oftentimes they are very ignorant of that message. They, the message is there. God has given the signs, but, man, uh, but, but for some reason they do not want to acknowledge that, that message. And so it is our job to go and to give them that message, give that message of hope and, and a message of, uh, of a transformed life. And then it goes on, says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that is the first thing that we do. When we take the, uh, the, the gospel and we give it to the world, we have to believe that people will be saved. And that is exactly the way this uh, verse reads out. Uh, go ye therefore teaching all nations and people will be saved and then baptize them. And realizing that baptism is the first opportunity that they have to give the gospel. Because remember, what is the baptism? It's a representation of the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is their first opportunity to actually to witness of the changed life within them. And then in verse 20, it says, teaching them to observe all things. And that word teaching in verse 20 is different than the, verse in the word teach in verse 19. Where in verse 19, it's the giving of new knowledge. But the word teaching in verse 20, it is the ongoing of knowledge. That is the discipleship part of the Great Commission. When someone comes to the saving knowledge of Christ, that's when the, uh, the job begins. And it is our responsibility to take them under our wing and to get them, uh, get them, uh, get that solid foundation under their feet by teaching them the Word of God. It is our responsibility. Um, oftentimes, I, I really believe this is where we have really dropped the ball: is discipleship. Some want to come to the saving knowledge of Christ, and then it's just like we just let them go their own way. And oftentimes what happens, they go out in, into some cult and, and they are misled. It is our job to take them under our arm and to teach them. Teach them the wonderful words of God. And get that solid foundation under their feet because what is going to help them to stand 
when the world comes crashing down around them. It is the Word of God. That is what we fall back on. And how can we have access uh, to, to the, the many different psalms and uh, the many words of encouragement when we don't have enough information in our mind to pull during those times of desperation? We have to get that solid word in, into their hands. And then uh, at the last part of verse 20, we see how that Christ gives an encouragement. He says, I am with you always. And guess what, guys? That is the same I am that we see in the beginning that spoke things into existence. By the very words out of his mouth, let there be light. He is the same I am that helped Moses. And the miracles that we see during the travels of the Israelites through the wilderness. It's the same I am that we see in Isaiah. High and lifted up and his train fills the temple. His holiness fills the temple. It's the same I am that we see in the Gospels. That is our I am who is with us always. No matter where we go at in this world, we are never, ever alone because God is with us. I know in North Carolina there is a cavern. And you can actually take a tour and you can go way back up into that cavern. And part of the tour uh, is have you to go in a crack and, and you're on these grades and there's nothing but water up underneath you. And you go back in there and they shut off the lights. And it's amazing what true darkness is. You can stick your hands right up in front of your face and, get, and you cannot see even a shadow even in the dark times of our life and our spiritual life, the great I am is with us to comfort us and to help us. It's not that we are ever alone. He promised that the Holy Spirit would come and he came the day of Pentecost and he fills every believer. And for all eternity, God himself living within us. And what an encouragement to know that God is with us. What does the world have to uh, have to encourage them? The world has nothing. They have nothing to fall back on when life comes crashing down. We have hope, and 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 we ought to take that hope to the world. It is He has given this responsibility to us often sit back and wonder, why would, he, why would he give such a great responsibility to uh, people like us who are weak and frail, often to fail and fall and to stumble? Why would he entrust it to us? It is because of, uh, of, of being familiar. We are familiar with other people who, who struggle and who have been through hard times. We can associate with their pains. We can understand their dark depression. And he has given that to us to help them. The second call I want us to look at, if you would, turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we see that Paul is on his second missionary journey. And, and Paul is uh, going across Asia Minor, and, and, and he's really, um, and, and the Holy Spirit is leading him as he is going across Asia Minor, 
and, and he's wanting to go back to the churches that he established in his first missionary journey, but the, the, the Spirit is telling him, no, Paul, I want you to keep going. I want you to go somewhere different. And Paul, uh, being uh, listening to the Holy Spirit, and he is following the, word, uh, following the Holy Spirit, uh, we see something very interesting in Acts chapter 16 in verse 6 uh, through 10. In verse 6 it says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to um, Asia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Asia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Notice verse 9 what it says. It says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So the first call that we see is, uh, from, uh, from Christ where he commands us to go and to reach the law, uh, reach the lost. But in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, we see that the world is actually calling us to come and witness. Do you realize that they are people, uh, uh, that, that, that the lost people of this world, that they are crying out for help? And who is going to go and give them to me, the, the message? Now, we know that Satan is doing his job. He's out there, and he is corrupting their minds. And he's trying to, uh, to, to, he is trying to draw them to himself, and he is uh, trying to uh, draw them to himself through the lust of the flesh. And there's so many people that are falling for it. But what happens when life comes crashing down where are they going to find hope if they do not find hope from us? We know that Satan is doing his job. And we can look at statistics and see how that they are uh, so many diseases that are out there. That there are so many homes that are broken. That there are so many lives that are destroyed. I remember a story that I read. And it was several years ago how that in Alaska, that in the villages, when they have a trouble with a, a wolf that is coming and stealing uh, food from them or killing their dogs or something like that, that they will actually go out on a frozen uh, lake and they will chip down into the ice and they'll take something that is very sharp. They'll take a piece of glass, they will take a, a, a sharpened bone, and they will stick that down in that, uh, that chipped out ice uh, and they will pour water in there and it will freeze tight. It will be fast. And then they will take blood and they will pour right over that, that spot. And they know how that, that, that a wolf loves the smell of blood. They say that a wolf can actually smell blood 15 miles away. And that wolf will come to that smell, but wolves are not dumb. They are a very smart animal. And, they, and that wolf will see that blood at a distance, and he knows that something is not exactly right, but, he, he, but, but that desire for that blood, it just sort of uh, causes him to throw caution to the wind, and he will actually run past that place, and he'll look at it. And then he'll turn around. And then he'll come back, and he'll start licking that blood. Of course, that blood is frozen, and it starts to numb his tongue, and, 
and, and he licks harder and he licks harder and harder and harder. And all of a sudden, he starts tasting warm blood. And he keeps licking and he keeps licking and he keeps licking until his very desire kills him. Because as his tongue is being numb, that blade is cutting his tongue and he, do not, he does not even realize that he's being cut with every one of them. You see, Satan is the same way. He, he don't come at people with, uh, with, with the, showing the, the picture of someone who is in, in the gutter or someone's life who has been destroyed or a family that's been destroyed, but he, he will paint a beautiful picture. And it's very enticing to, to, to the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it looks really good. Let's be honest. Even as Christians, we can honestly say that, 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 that uh, sin has an appetite, uh, that, that, that it has a desire that we can, oftentimes, that we will associate with it. It looks good. But the result of it is always death. There is always consequences to sin the world don't realize that they uh, that these consequences are going to cost them so dearly but with any sin there, there, there will be a consequence and if we are not going out and we are not sharing with them the only hope that this world has which is the lord jesus christ then who will do it who will have compassion for the lost We see how that Paul, he, uh, as a result of him following the, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, where does he go? He goes into Macedonia. And the first European convert, who remembers who was the first European convert? Lydia, a woman, right? She sold the color purple. And, and you may wonder, why does that make a difference to us? Why does it make a difference that Paul followed the leading of the Holy Spirit all the way into Macedonia, the Macedonian uh, call? How many of you are from European descent? Just about everyone in here, right? Just about everyone. What if Paul would not have listened to the Holy Spirit and would not have went into uh, Macedonia? The, and the first European uh, convert was Lydia. And it spread like wildfire. It, it went all the way across the known world. And, and, and Paul was faithful to what, the, uh, what God had called him to do, and that was to go and to spread the gospel. Guess what? He heard the call of the world calling, come and help us. We need your help. Come and help us. The question is, do we hear that call today? Are people still hurting today like they were back during the time of uh, uh, the Roman rule? We just have to watch the news to see the pain in this world. We really got a, a stark reality, a reality check with the whole COVID. Did you see the fear in people's eyes and in their lives? Did you see how scared people were? Now, now I'm not saying that, that we should not have respect and we should not uh, do precautions and these kind of things. But uh, people were taking it to a, to, to a whole new level. They were scared. Why were they scared? They had no hope. Oh, hope was gone for them. And this is what we take to the world. We take hope. Hope for them. 
last call I want us to see, if you would, turn over to Luke chapter 19. Excuse me, Luke chapter 16. So the first call we looked at, it, it comes from heaven where Christ is calling us to go and reach the world, to reach the lost. The second call actually comes from the world where they are calling us to come and help them. Come and help us. We are out of control. We cannot help ourselves. We need your help. And the last call I want us to see is in Luke chapter 16 and verses 19 and following. A, a very familiar uh, passage. I'm, I'm sure that many of you already know the, uh, uh, what I'm getting ready to talk about is the rich man and Lazarus. And how that Christ is telling uh, this story. And it is a true life story. He, he named names and, uh, as well as uh, circumstances that took place. This was not a parable. And, and I want you to notice how that in verse 19 it says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was uh, laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And so what we are seeing uh, take place, we see two, uh, two men. We see a rich man, and we also see a, 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 a beggar named Lazarus. We see uh, how that uh, we see two di- uh, we see two different destinations, we see two different lifestyles, and and I want you to notice how that the rich man he had everything in life. Lazarus he sat at the gate hoping that uh, he would be fed by the scraps that uh, from the rich man's table. And in this life, the rich man he had everything. He had the newest car. He had the newest clothes. He had the nicest house. He had his brothers that he took care of. He had his family. And Lazarus, he pretty much had nothing. The greatest comfort that that he had was uh, the dogs would come and lick his sores. But I want you to notice that in verse 23, we see a transition. We see how the lives change. Notice in verse 23, it says, And in hell... The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would uh, pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would uh, come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Did you notice verse 28? Let me read it again. For I have uh, five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Do you realize that they are people in hell right now begging us to go and witness? To tell their lost loved ones? Do you realize that they are people last night 
who stepped out into this place called hell. And they come to a stark reality at first that they were selfish motives probably. Just give me just just a little bit of relief. Just give me one drop of water. That's all I want just to cool my tongue. Just give me one drop of, of water. And they won't receive it. And then their mind goes back to their loved ones. Their lost loved ones. they start crying go and tell my lost loved ones about Christ you see this rich man this is what we do know about him he can see he can talk he can remember he can feel he has thirst and he can reason and he knows that his fate is 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 done. There's nothing he can do to get out of this torment. And and they are people in hell right now who are crying for us to go and witness to their lost loved ones. There's a reason that this passage is is in here. It is to really to drive home to us the importance of us going and witnessing. I want you to also notice that in verses 29 uh, through 31, I'm going to show you something that is very, uh, that, that the tool that we have that is so powerful within our witnessing. In verse 29, it says, Abraham saith unto them, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. What is Moses and the prophets? It's, it's the writings of God. It is the word of God. And, and it goes on to say in verse 30, and And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. That is the power of the Word of God that we have. That we can take this book and we can show a person how that they are lost and how that they have a need for a Savior, and that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only thing they have to do is by faith receive Him. We don't need miracles. We we don't need to raise people from the dead. We don't need to cause fire to come down from heaven to reach the lost. The only thing we need to do is take the Word of God to them. Not much later after this, we see how Christ raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. If you read the scriptures, it says, and then they sought to kill Christ. So what Christ is saying is the truth. We could have all kinds of fancy shows and all these kind of things, but the most powerful thing that we have is the word of God, and this is exactly what we take to the world, is the good news. We just have to be willing to take it. To be honest with you, when, when, when I was going to Bible uh, college, I was a uh, second year Bible college, and, and I worked at a place where we cleaned dialyzers or, or artificial kidneys for people. And uh, since I was uh, going to Bible college, they actually let me come in the afternoon and drive a route and I had some co-workers, and, and one of my co, uh, co-workers, his name was Tony. And I had witnessed to him, I, I had talked to him on several occasions, and he told me, he says, he says, man, I'm young. 
He said, I, I don't need Christianity. I'm good. Everything's good in my life. And I said, Tony, I said, life is short. And Tony, uh, he, he was never rude. He was never mean in any way. He, he just told me, he says, you know, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready. And one afternoon when I got out of Bible college on my way to work, Holy Spirit pressed on my heart, you know, witness to Tony one more time. Witness to Tony. And I was thinking in my mind, no, I don't have time. I got to get in there. I got to get the dialyzers. I got to get them loaded up in the vehicle. And then I got to hit the road. I got to go. I'm, I'm in a hurry. And so I get to work and Holy Spirit presses on my heart again. Danny, witness to Tony. Don't have time. I've got to get the dialyzers. Got to get them loaded up. Got to get, them in, uh, get, get in the van and I've got to go. And this was on a Friday night. Second year Bible college, studying to go into the ministry. Saturday morning, I get a call from my boss, uh, my, my manager. And he calls me and he says, Danny, did you hear about Tony? And I was like, hear about Tony? What, what are you talking about? He says, well, Danny, uh, Tony left a beer joint last night and on his way home, he wrecked and, and he died. And what came to my mind was this. I denied him one more opportunity to receive Christ. Second year Bible college. In the ministry to share the gospel. And I was too busy to witness one more time. Tony wasn't a bad guy. Tony was, uh, was actually a, a very friendly person. Easy to get along with. And, every, and, and oftentimes I think about Tony, knowing that Tony is in hell, knowing that Tony is crying out for me to go and witness to his lost loved ones. One of the saddest things that, that, that I saw was when I went to his funeral and his mom and sisters wailing like they were no hope. They were wailing. Oh, Tony, Tony, oh, Tony, where are you? Why, why did you die? Why are you gone? Why? Asking questions. Asking questions because they had no hope. And I had hope. And I denied it for him. You know, as when I started out earlier, we, we, we talked about how, the, uh, or I mentioned about suffering. And how that uh, suffering is part of giving the message. We will suffer down here. But God is very gracious. He is going to give us the grace that we need. And if we got a message, why don't we, send, uh, why don't we use a message that is good? And I've thought about this. Oftentimes, why don't we? Why, what stops us from evangelizing? Sometimes it is uh, because we, in our minds, we don't think that we're capable of doing it. Just given the simple gospel, I often use ABC. Acknowledge, believe, and confess. Acknowledge that you're lost, believe in the Lord, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and His resurrection, and confess your sins, and you can have eternal life. I think sometimes also that we get gun shy. We live in a hostile world that is very hostile to the gospel. And when I was thinking about this, 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 
about preaching this morning, I, uh, a thought that kept coming to my mind. There was a series that came out, it was called Band of Brothers. And it came out in 2001, and it follows the, a, a, a group of Army guys through World War II, uh, from D-Day all the way to VJ Day. And it shows how that each one, uh, how that these guys, the different battles that they went through. And, and, and I tell you, it, it is horrific what those guys really went through. I mean, it, it, it's horrifying to, to, to see what man can do to one another. But in one of the series, uh, this one soldier's name was Bly. And, and they were paratroopers, and when they were coming in on Normandy to, to, uh, to jump into the airs uh, or to the drop zones, there was all kinds of noise, there was all kinds of flashes, there was so many uh, there's people dying, there was explosions, and, and everything seemed like it was uh, that the world had come to an end. They even called it the end of days. And when Blythe comes on to the picture, he is just staring up into the clouds and he's just standing there and he is really nothing but shell-shocked his brain had taken in so much horror that it has shut him down and as a result he would not get into the battle when the battle would start he, he would cower down and, and just hide in the foxhole and just scream and there was one captain that come alongside him, and, and he just started having conversation with Bly. And he looked at Bly, and he told him, he says, he says Bly, what you got to understand is that we're already dead. He said, there's no reason to fear death. He says, we're already dead. You might as well just count yourself as dead. And then the next battle that they got into, all of a sudden, Bly jumps out of the foxhole and he's standing up, bullets ripping past him, and he's shooting at the enemy. You see, as Christians, that's exactly the way we got to look at it. We got to look at it. We're already dead. We're dead to this world. This world has no hold on us at all. Are we shell-shocked sometimes with the way that the world treats us and attacks us and hurts us and, and, and they don't want to hear anything about our loving Savior? Well, sure we are at times. Sure we are. But the only thing that can keep us going is to remember it is the love of Christ that constrains us and it is also the love of Christ that compels us. And when we consider ourselves already dead to this world and that this world has no hold on us and it can do no harm to us, all of a sudden our minds change. All of a sudden we, 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 we have a renewed energy and all of a sudden we want to get into the fight. And if there's something that we are willing, uh, if, we are, are, if we are willing to suffer, why not uh, be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake? And so, you know what? I think right now, we see the call. We see the call. A call that comes from heaven where Christ is saying, go and reach the lost. Go and help those. Teaching them. And then we see the call that is coming from the world and, and the way that they are destroying their lives. How that they are, uh, that they are falling for the traps of Satan. 
And we have hope for them. And we have hope for them. And then we actually see a call that comes from hell. Where the lost in hell are crying out, go and tell my lost loved ones. Tell them that hell is real. To listen to that preacher man, to listen to that crazy preacher man. And if we are willing to do that, I am so sure that they are people out there that will receive Christ as their Savior. And we'll see eternal destinies change. That is the power that we have when God himself is with us and we take his word and the Holy Spirit already going before us, plowing the ground, sowing the seed, and we just come along and we are just take a, just a small part in the salvation plan of sharing the gospel. So let's go out this week. Let's go out this year. And let's not just send missionaries to go reach the lost, but let's go reach the lost in our community. There is nothing more satisfying than to see someone's eternal destiny change. Let's pray. Our Father, we want to thank you again for the day that you have given to us. And Lord, we are grateful for the love and kindness and tender mercies that you have shown to us and the call that you have given to us and the message that you have given to us. Father, I, I do realize that it's not easy to go out and to share the gospel. I'm not, uh, and, and I don't want to come across like it is easy in this hostile world that we live in. The only thing I want to do, Lord, is just to encourage the hearts to see that there is a need and, and they have uh, uh, the, the ability to help that need. And Lord, I just pray that you would just encourage the hearts and that, that they will go and to reach the lost. And we pray these things in Christ's name.